0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And
1: now, are you effing kidding me with JoJo from Juries?
2: What a week in Republican crazy this one has been. And it's not over yet. We saw Donald Trump and his adult male spawn found liable of decades worth of egregious fraud. I mean, just crazy, insane amounts of fraud, which we all knew, but now they've been found liable of it. And so they've basically been stripped of their ability to even have businesses in New York, which is crazy considering, you know, they're from New York. And I gotta say that of all the cases, of all the charges against Trump, it's this fraud case you know bothers him the most. It exposes the lie on which all the other lies uh, rely, that he is not worth even close to what he says he's worth and he never has been. And now everyone else knows it too. And for a narcissist, ah, that's a lot to handle. But we also saw some good history this week with President Joe Biden being the first ever sitting U.S. president to join striking workers on a picket line, joining the United Auto Workers Union in Michigan in solidarity. I mean, it was really incredible a historic moment. I feel like it hasn't gotten enough attention because it's it's a first and it just shows that Joe Biden really is a president for all Americans and he does believe in the promise of America and he wants to support workers. And by contrast, Donald Trump decided to show up for a photo op at a non-union auto parts factory with non-union paid actors holding union signs. The actual unions told him not to go. They didn't want him there, counter-program the Republican Primary debate, which was the circular firing squad of irrelevancy we all knew it was going to be. It was a debate that was supposed to focus on business. It had a business Fox TV host moderating it, and yet no one asked a single question about the fact that the not in attendance front runner had just been found liable for those decades worth of business fraud and had his business licenses rescinded, not, didn't talk about it. I mean, just pathetic. I mean, we it it just, it blows the mind sometimes. Oh, we also have a government shutdown almost certainly happening this Saturday night. And by the way, government shutdowns hurt Americans. Make no mistake, if there is a shutdown, it belongs to one party and one party only, the Republican Party. And not just MAGA, nope all of them. You hear that, moderates? Yeah, this extreme Republican shutdown belongs to you too. So good luck in your districts with that one. Real popular, I'm sure. And the cherry on top of this tainted trifle of treachery and treason is the impeachment inquiry, sham, to put it mildly, that is unfolding in the House of Representatives as we speak. It is impossible to overstate how ridiculous it is. And it's an insult to clowns to call it a circus. The first three witnesses they called said they did not see this rising to the level of impeachment. They're witnesses, theirs, they're witnesses. (laughs) It's crazy. Not to mention that the very same Republicans who voted not to impeach Trump despite the mountains of actual evidence want to impeach President Biden despite an absolute lack of evidence against him. It's all such a mess. It's just, ugh. So raise a glass to sloppy Steve Bannon because they're flooding the zone with you know what, and it is exhausting. I do have the perfect guest though for this conversation this week because John Fugelsang has the most amazing perspective on all of this. John is a comedian and a broadcaster who hosts the acclaimed Tell Me Everything series on Sirius XM Progress, channel 127. He's brilliant and funny and thoughtful and introspective all at once. And he has a way of explaining (laughs) this perpetual mess that cuts through the crap and just gets to the heart of what's really going on, which is so very, very needed these days, isn't it? hope you enjoy welcome to the are you effing kidding me podcast john Fugelsang.
0: thank you so much joanne for having me it's a pleasure to drag your show down to my level thank you
2: <laughs> well I'm, I'm very appreciative of you being here on what is the first like nice fall day we've actually had it felt like it rained for like a week straight
0: yeah scotland was calling me to mock us for our weather it was it was really uh <laughs> Why it's almost like there's an abnormally high amount of hurricanes because the oceans are slightly warmer. But I, I what do I know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, luckily, there's that Planet B out there, so we should be fine. We don't need to do anything about this one. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I know how amazingly beautiful fall is in the city. I miss that. So, I mean, like Central Park in the fall, there's nothing quite like it, right?
0: Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, I live right next to Central Park and it's about to become really, really gorgeous here. Uh, but Jersey's not too bad in the fall either. We're not too far away. Yeah. And, um, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's my favorite time to be in New York is is fall and spring. It's uh, uh, to me, fall here is a time of, of rebirth, not a time of death. And um, the best part is right now, all of the local sex shops in my neighborhood are selling that uh, pumpkin spice lube. So it, <laughs> it's really just seasonally a great time.
2: You know, what's nice about that is it's like very few calories. So if you're kind of one of those people who, gets, who wants like a latte kind of fix, you don't have, that's really sort of a pathway to yeah, it. I,
0: I got to be honest. I gave up coffee this last summer. I was in LA for about six weeks and I, I, one of my goals was to give up coffee. And I finally found a coffee substitute that is a, a stimulant, but also calming and good for my heart. Um, and you should try it. It's uh, the tears of proud boys shed while they <laughs> wept in court like bitches. And it's, it's, I want to get Proud Boy Tears Kombucha on the market. Uh, that'll make them cry more and we need supply. So, yeah, it's beautiful.
2: Nothing more restorative for the soul than a couple uh, of so, Proud oh, Boy oh,
0: Tears. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm energized but calmer. Wow.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. They're, they all did that like tough guy thing and then they get into court and it's like, oh, my daughter, I need to pick her up at school and she's. <laughs> she needs me. It's like, but well, you didn't really think about that when you were bashing in a window with a police shield, did you?
0: It's almost like all bullies are cowards when you get right down to it, isn't it?
2: Oh, just a little bit. You know, that's the thing too, is that these people who, you know, talk all tough, the Republicans, you know that that if they were to be face-to-face with the people that they're being so mean to, they would never be able to say those things to their faces.
0: That's usually the case. And that's why I always, you know, when I get these real hateful, uh, fake Christian woman-hating, misogynist, Muslim-hating, homophobic, racist, anti-Semitic trolls, I always say the same thing. Call me up on SiriusXM. Go ahead, call me up and and berate me directly, and let's have a respectful conversation. Or or you can just call me names, and I'll ask you respectful questions. And they always back away. And you know that if most of these abusive people met you in public, they'd be nice. One night in Minneapolis, a guy yelled out my name, and I turned around, and this big guy ran towards me. And he was some right-wing troll that had been like just hurling abuse at me for years that I would just swat away. And I swear to you, this is true, he gave me a big hug in front of all of his friends. Oh my God. Actually meet me. For a lot of these guys, and it's probably based on the kind of households they were raised in, that kind of abusive back and forth is entertainment. It's how they relax. Twitter has really taught me a lot of skills I wish I had before I entered junior high. Mm. And the number one is um, a very simple rule. Uh, happy people aren't dicks. It, <laughs> it's try it. This is it's impossible to be a dick if you're in a really great mood. You want everyone else to be in a great mood if you're truly happy. So uh, it usually helps reset me spiritually and mentally and realize that okay, uh, this coward douchebag is deeply in pain, and um, I can either you know engage in that or uh, pretend I'm a better person.
2: Yeah, we've had a couple of conversations about Twitter and our different approaches to the trolls. And sometimes, you know, we have a slightly different approach where you mute and I block more often than not. But every now and then I I do I do bop one on the nose, so to speak, you know, and and a lot of people say don't you should never engage with them, but every now and then I do, because Rick Wilson actually gave me that piece of advice. And there was one in particular where the guy made his own meme, I'm assuming, and it was just the word c-u-n-t and well you are a c-u-n-t i I
0: forgot yeah yeah
2: Yeah. so i went to his uh profile and the number one thing in his profile was girl dad (laughs) i was like you
0: know really (laughs) the more abusive they are i always check first to see if they boast of their spiritual piety and their bio but honestly i i don't block them because i think that gives them power I, i i you see these guys bragging about how many times they've been blocked and um and I don't want to, like I've been blocked by a peep by like Sebastian Gorka and Scott <laughs> Baio and John Hannity, and I, I could go on. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny for a second, but I, I prefer to mute them because if they're really hateful, they will keep on screaming and insulting you into a void, burning lean tissue and wasting a tiny bit of their time left on the world on hatred. And it'll all be for nothing. If if I think if I block them, they they know they got me. But having said that. You receive a very different level of abuse than I get uh, because you're a woman and we know how these guys, these Trump fans, it turns out they're not feminists. I was shocked. (laughs) And um, for me, it's just... uh, I'll retweet them or engage with them if I can do it in a way that will be entertaining or will give some talking points for someone else to help. A lot of mine are about the Bible. And, you know, so I'll actually quote the Bible against homophobia, against the death penalty, um, against people who want to put women in jail for abortions, which the Bible never bans. I I try to, if I'm responding to a troll, either make it uh, educational or preferably entertaining. Hmm. Um, I think there's some value in it
2: actually you usually achieve both is <laughs> it's both somehow informative and entertaining at the same time which is a, is a tough sort of happy medium to get to get to but like I wanted to talk because what one of the other things you're very good at in that space is pointing out the hypocrisy of the people who you know they come at you with this religious stuff and they they, they profess to be so devout and obviously you call them out on it because you you know what the actual you know, teachings were, and you call them out on their hypocrisy, and to the hypocrisy part of that question or comment, Trump, <laughs> of course, you're in New York, you have the New York background there, and we were just talking about New York in the fall, Trump now, as of yesterday, um, can't basically do business in New York anymore. And there's this, like, the, all of the things that, like all of Trump's sort of uh, public-facing persona, whatever, is built on this idea that he is this genius real estate agent self-made billionaire and the judge determined yesterday that he's essentially overstated his worth by billions of dollars yeah. and so well the hypocrisy of the, the maga saying you know he's this this real estate genius the self-made billionaire it's like it's, it's amazing to me i mean it, the whole thing about all of trump is really essentially and republicans in general there's so much hypocrisy
0: well, I mean, New Yorkers have known he's a fraud for a long, long time. And um, I mean, all of us who had to live through the experience in 1990, 91 of him taking out his mistress to humiliate the mother of his children in front of paparazzi every night. Um, you know, I, Marla Maples is a lovely person. I, I like her very much. But like <laughs> Donald Trump wasn't just, you know, leaving his wife. He was trying to hurt her emotionally as much as possible. And and that's the kind of man he is. He's a man who calls women pieces of ass. And um you know, we already knew he was uh, nothing but a fraud. I mean, Cy Vance's office had these cases, by the way, before he even became president the first time for Jared and Ivanka, for how they would inflate numbers, how they would scale down their assets when it was tax time and scale up their assets when they wanted a bank loan, things like that. They were Mm -hmm. terribly, terribly dishonest. And, you know, this is the most shocking case of Trump fraud since the case of Trump organization fraud earlier this year, uh, where he had to pay $1.2 million, or the Trump fraud where Alan Weisselberg went to jail, uh, or the Trump University fraud, which cost him $26 million, or the Trump Foundation fraud, where he was banned from running a charity in the state of New York, and his children had to take a class on how not to steal from people with a fraud charity. Uh, (laughs) If you clear those out of the way, this is just shocking, shocking. (laughs) And it proves that Donald Trump inherited—Donald Trump blew everything he inherited— from both his dad and Barack Obama.
2: <laughs> that's a very good point. I'm sorry, but that's hysterical about Obama, because you're right. He basically inherited the White House on third base and he gave himself yeah. credit for it. Yeah.
0: And this is my lifetime, Joe. Like i like I've only seen Democrats elected president after Republicans fuck up. I mean, yeah. Jimmy got in there because of Watergate. Uh Clinton got in there because 12 years of trickle down didn't work. I mean, Obama got in there because Bush was the worst president we've had since World War II, worse than Trump, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know, Biden got in there because of of comb over Caligula. And every <laughs> Democrat has this job of like, every Democrat's both a climate scientist and FEMA. Mm-hmm. Every Democrat has to warn about the bad things that'll happen if this if you do this. And then they have to be the ones to clean up after Republicans do this anyway. And, you know, so the Republicans are always the arsonists and always the hecklers of the fire department. Right. At least in my lifetime.
2: I mean, we're looking at, we're very likely looking at another government shutdown. And they basically all, I think all of them have been as a result of Republicans. I'm pretty sure. I know the last one was. Yeah. Yeah. Sleeping Dogs now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie dot slash wondery. They are definitely the arsonists, and then they blame the wind for the fire. You know that's what they do.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they can do it because they can get away with it because um, uh, two reasons really: one, their base doesn't care, and two, abortion they have this magic Hogwarts evil spell that will make people vote for anything horrible. Abortion has been the number one thing in in my lifetime that uh, Republicans have used to get Christians to vote against everything Christ talked about over this one thing that Christ never talked about. And it's their racket and it works. So, but that's only with Republicans. It's only in the bubble. This shutdown is so the Nazi clot part of kevin mccarthy's caucus can make their speeches and go on oan and newsmax every night it's really just this narcissism caucus within the republicans and you know look they want to shut down the government and open an unpopular impeachment inquiry because they can't vote on it because kevin wouldn't get the votes in a republican dominated house Mm -hmm. they want to do all this on the eve of another presidential election they're all just going to get this old man re-elected joe biden's can campaign in bathrobe and slippers at this point
2: honestly i agree with you 100% and what is so astounding to me is that i call him kevin the craven you can call him anything you want but essentially that he can that he continues to be reek for these people i mean i you know i call them the gimp from pulp fiction i mean honestly it's like every now and then marge lets him out of the box and lets him put some fancy clothes on and go up and do whatever her bidding is and that's it I, he doesn't have to do it. I know he's worried oh. about this vote to vacate or whatever, and he can be removed, but it's not actually as easy as that. But what the hell is he doing? Why I mean, is he so feckless?
0: To... Because he's always been like this. Mm. I mean, the, he is the GOP. I mean, Paul Ryan would have been like this in the same position. Nancy Pelosi is, um, I, 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 I've i only met her a couple of times. She is 137 years old. <laughs> and people to contain her entire caucus, which ranged from AOC and the squad yeah. to- anti-abortion Democrats in Texas. And Mm. 80-year-old Nancy Pelosi was able to get all these different people on the same page Mm -hmm. and save the Affordable Care Act in 2017. Kevin McCarthy, it's really sad watching a middle-aged man lose control of his own caucus. But here we are. And (laughs) he knows that if he actually acts like a man, um, this is the problem Republicans have, right? If, If they do their job, they lose their job. Like... I, I, I remember this when uh, Eric Cantor was heading in the uh, head of the house under Obama. Every week, Eric Cantor would go to meet Obama and he would say no to everything Obama said. Just no, wouldn't work with him at all. And he'd go on news and brag about how I met with Obama. And I said no again. And then he got primaried in his own district by Dave Bratt. And Dave Bratt ran saying, can you believe this Eric Cantor goes and meets with that Barack Obama every week? If I'm your congressman, I'll never set foot in his office. Mm-hmm. And Cantor got knocked out. Mm-hmm. Literally. Our society depends on people who don't agree with each other functioning. It's what all the world's great religions keep teaching us. Republicans can't do it because if they ever work with the other side to help improve the lives of their constituents, they will be primaried by somebody more racist and more ignorant back home. If they do their job, they lose their job. And that's what's hurting all of us. And it's how the Confederacy is still slowing down the union
2: and uh back to just wanted to touch on it i don't actually want to touch on it because that's disgusting but the um sorry my hound dog is going to start barking kevin's uh middle-aged uh, problem with his caucus and uh, yes. so would you call that uh, electile dysfunction
0: yes i i among other things yes uh with a Santos strip um, oh. he he i don't even know what that means but it sounded so nasty i approve of it he you know <laughs> What the smart thing for McCarthy to do would be to act like a man and mm-hmm. not be afraid of the Matt Gateses and the the you know, the Marjorie Taylor Gates wing of the party right. and just say, I'm gonna go cut a deal with the Democrats. We're gonna keep the military. I mean, they can't keep the military funded. Mm-hmm. The Republicans can't right. agree to fund the military. That's like John <laughs> Boehner if he missed happy hour. Like it's a shit. You don't do that. And so if he worked with the Democrats, he can make a deal that they'll pass a budget now. And then when Matt Gates tries to vacate, the Democrats will save him. That's what's going to happen anyway. Oh, 100%. I and mean, with Matt Gates looking like the little entitled, petulant, frat boy, trust, fun, drunk, driving, underage, venmoing schmuck that he is, <laughs> McCarthy, uh, you know, thank God. Thank God in America, Bush, Cheney, Trump, McCarthy, our fascists are always more stupid than evil. You know, the stupid is always worse than the sinister. I call them dim shady. And it's the greatest <laughs> God has had in our nation that our fascists are too dumb to make things work.
2: Thank God. And then there was this idea that Ron DeSantis in Florida was actually a smarter fascist. And then, of course, as we learned uh, from his you know, putting fingering uh, obsession, that he's not just that, but in many other ways, that he's not actually all that smart or savvy as a fascist, which brings me to a sort of different part of the conversation, a very different part of the conversation, but one that involves DeSantis, tonight's Republican primary debate the second one so what two questions what did you think of the first one what were your takeaways and what is this even like i mean honestly it's just like a circular firing squad of irrelevancy it's like ridiculous like what are your thoughts on last one and this one does it change anything
0: yeah you know I, i'm actually at this point um as a fan of trump i'm I'm calling these uh these debates henchman con because <laughs> what it is all the different henchmen coming together to talk about why they should be the next crime boss of gotham that's that's it And, uh, you know, there's this thing called the presidential loser industrial complex where people of both parties just run for president because for some of them, it'll mean a book deal, for some public speaking, for some new political office back home, for some, it'll maybe mean a media job. Uh, In this case, two of them are running for vice president, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. Nikki Mm -hmm. Haley thinks she's running for president now. She's not. She's Mm -hmm. running for vice president. And then you have Vivek Ramaswamy, who I love, because he's sort of like... If Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver had been up all night doing Coke with James Woods, that's that's Vivek. And um, again, I'm a fan of comedy. And then you got. (laughs) And, you know, I think of something I thought when David Crosby died earlier this year, who I loved and was a dear friend, um, sometimes a death is uh, shocking, but not surprising. And that's how I feel about the political career of Ron DeSantis. It is shocking, but I'm not surprised. This is a man who just got his ass kicked by a mouse. This is a (laughs) man who hates drag queens and wears high-heeled boots. Um, And again, his campaign's not dead. It's just gone to sleep. It's not allowed to be woke. So yeah, he he richly deserves it. And um, I can't wait for him to meet St. Peter and see where St. Peter puts him on a plane with false promises and takes him to.
1: (sighs)
2: yeah <laughs> um i mean it is not it is shocking because he was sort of the the, the promised child that like he was going to be the the one that the rhinos were going the to embrace
0: yeah. it was incredible
2: yeah i mean honestly that 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 he was even thought of as special is remarkable because it's all based on just basically this whole anti-woke but also the anti-vaccine and the pushbacks during covid and like we're going to let people die. That's, that's
0: yeah, our strategy. It's all racism. Again, so much of the anti-COVID stuff is racism. So much of it is about, you know, fuck the poor um,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: don't trust those in authority uh, who are scientists. But with Ron DeSantis, it's all been about racism. I mean, lying to migrants, legal asylum seekers to get them on a plane. They're mm-hmm. not even in your state. I'm pretty sure Florida doesn't touch Mexico. It's been a while since geography class. <laughs> but, um, using COVID funds to lie legal asylum seekers onto a plane to humiliate them in a stunt and dump them on the Republican governor of Massachusetts for him to deal with Mm -hmm. uh, while boasting about your own Christianity. Stop Woke is uh, really the White Fragility Act. It's all about how (laughs) you can sue any whack job, can sue any teacher in any school, if they say anything, Mm -hmm. that might upset the child of a racist. And, you know, and, and the homophobia as well. I mean, the whole business with Disney, the largest employer and largest taxpayer in his state, Ron just ran away from that thing, um, and the media carnated him because they were so desperate for mm-hmm. a Trump alternative. But I, I, the thing about it is also that Ron DeSantis really was betting that if he could be fake enough Christian, if he could be cruel enough to the most marginalized people, that American Christians would reward him because that's what worked for Donald Trump. And again, it's, it's, you know, Jesus, and you don't need to believe in this book literally at all, but mm. the character in the book always stands up for the marginalized. Whoever's hurting the most, whoever's lowest on the totem pole is who Jesus fights for. The poorest of the poor, the lepers, the prostitutes, the despised foreign minorities like the Samaritans. That was very deliberate. He chose a minority that his friends didn't like. Even the Roman centurions occupying his country, whoever was hurting, that's who he went to. And Republican Christianity is exactly the opposite. Whoever is the weakest and most marginalized is who they crap on trans kids who want to use a bathroom, trans soldiers who want to serve this country, war refugees. I mean, mean the Christian refugees at our border. I I always you know, people call them illegals and I tried calling them undocumented immigrants for a long time. But now I'm done with that. They are Christian refugees at our southern border. And if you don't want them there, start locking up the white people doing all the hiring, because Mm. that's the supply and demand that brings them to our border. Mm. I, I don't trust any politician who talks about illegals and doesn't want to lock up white folks here. Who are hiring. You could never build a wall big enough to hide America's help wanted sign. And that is the greatest hypocrisy uh, in Republican Christianity to me.
2: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car.
0: There's one commandment about immigration in the entire Bible, and it's called Welcome the Stranger, and it's in the Old Testament, and Jesus says it, and Jesus commands individuals and nations to welcome the stranger if they want to follow him. But again, you know, Joe, if these people had read the Bible, they wouldn't (laughs) be able to support Trump.
2: Right, exactly. I mean, and that's one of the going back to this the whole fallacy of the fictional Trump, et cetera, et cetera, that he is somehow devout, but that Ron DeSantis and Vivek and everybody else, and Mike Pence is Mike Pence, but <laughs> that Ron DeSantis's choice was to to go to almost run to the more extreme. Of, of Trump in this regard. I was talking to Miles Taylor, and one of the things he brought about in his new book was that Trump wanted to do this thing with migrants. He had asked, can I fly them, bus them, et cetera, to migrant, to uh, sanctuary cities? And he was told, no, you shouldn't do that because it won't look good for you for reelection. And that was the only reason they said they couldn't, talk, they couldn't talk to him about the humanity of it. They couldn't talk to him about any of the normal things that a person would be swayed by. But then again, he actually came up with the idea, so it was really an exercise in futility
0: anyway. But I just still- think they should go all the way and load them onto trains, you know, <laughs> Right. If call it an infestation and use Nazi language anyway. Put them on trains to ship them around. Let's make let's make the image complete.
2: Right. right. Well, just go just go for it. Because, yeah, no, they, it seems to me that they, I don't know if you saw this recently, but it seems like they're all trying to out threaten Mexico now. It's like yes, Our number is one that- trading
0: partner. Yes. Our, our number one trading partner in our economy. Well done, guys. Yes. Let's launch missiles into them. That'll that'll <laughs> do it again it's all the co- america's struggle from the beginning was never conservative versus liberal it has always been aristocracy versus democracy mm. and these guys are out there beating up the guys in who are standing out looking for day labor at home depot instead of blaming the guys who shipped your job to china mm-hmm. they are always going to side with late with management never with labor Oh,
2: speaking of labor, I have two things I wanted to talk about really fast, really 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 fast. First thing is Joe Biden yesterday made history. I know that's something you've been Talking about for a while that you thought would be a great thing for him to do. He obviously is a listener of your show because yesterday he was the first president to 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 picket, to stand on a picket line with striking workers, and you and it was it's it's like it's as if that didn't even land in the
0: news. It's huge. Oh, I don't know. It's huge. It's really huge. And and you know what? It didn't land in the news enough. Yesterday was a really. I mean, I, the 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 day before we taped this was a real day of history. I mean the first time you ever had a president ever a sitting president show up on a picket line Donald Trump essentially had his father's organization dissolved by a judge for his decades of fraud and I mean and we found out the state of Alabama is too racist for this Supreme
1: <laughs> Court it was
0: a crazy day yesterday but yeah listen the, the people who belong to unions and working people will see those images of Biden those will be on campaign commercials forever I think Biden should go back I think Biden should get on line with the actors too I yeah. think he should Line with the actors too he should go to striking starbucks workers he should do this all over the place one to show that he's vigorous enough to do it Mm -hmm. um but also people need the contrast donald trump is going to go give a speech in an anti-union uh factory with a bunch of retired union workers after the union told him not to show up i mean and fox news will present that uncritically we have to remember donald trump is not going to be attracting any new fans he didn't have last time and and what Biden did yesterday, yeah, the, the the media will never cover it adequately, but boy, it's so nice to feel so patriotic. I just, I wasn't ready to feel so good about something a politician did. And yeah. it just, whether you like unions or not, and I once said this to Chris Christie, they have always been the strongest voice for working people we've ever had. But the dialogue's poison. They'll say, oh, unions are corrupt and greedy. And it's like, well, so are CEOs, but we're not banning them.
2: Right. And the, and that's the one thing about this story to me that is so interesting is that it's not really a partisan issue at all. It's not partisan to be pro-American worker. It's not partisan to want a smaller gap between the very top. And, you know, I mean, I was talking to to auto workers yesterday. I had a, I had a call with one of the union reps on a big group call. It was just me. That sounds weird. But but what they were saying really was that these are, these are workers right now who are Coming in and making less now than their counterparts who are much older than them made when they came in, um, yeah. and and the counterparts are kind of having their salary sort of frozen, and and then the, the framing from the other side is that this is about you, you know EVs and green energy et cetera et cetera, but that's not what this is about. I mean, this is about. The discrepancy, the disparity between these about, as you said, aristocracy, right? Uh, that's what this is. And that's not a partisan issue. I mean, it is when you're a Republican who wants to be um, you know, rich, but it's not an American issue in terms of that way that it, it would be partisan. I think more Americans would agree with the workers than would agree with the CEOs.
0: I think you're right. I think people in the Fox News bubble will only get Donald Trump's propaganda, but people in actual unions will know who showed up for them. Yeah. And again, uh, you know... The, the uaw president called donald trump a a servant of the billionaires which which he is and you know i mean it was biden and obama like to boast about how they saved the auto workers Mm -hmm. and how they saved detroit and you could argue they did back in 2012 it helped them get reelected. but the reality of that is they did it by one of the concessions the uaw made was this two-tier pay system Mm -hmm. and that's something that you know democrats have not talked about enough. We made a movie for PBS about income inequality and went to Detroit and talked to workers about the two-tier system where they were able to protect the existing workers' wages and benefits, but new hires would not get the same wages and benefits, which meant you could be working on the assembly line in Detroit and the person next to you could be doing the same amount of work, but making just a little bit more than half the money. Right. And so at least, you know, now they know what it's like to be a woman in the American <laughs> workplace. <laughs>
2: Not for long, not for long. Um, and the other side of the question that I was going to ask you about this um, aristocracy question is because so much of MAGA, not all of MAGA, obviously, but so much of MAGA, they're they don't they're not wealthy. They'll never be part of that class. And so much of what the, their elected officials want to do would actually hurt them and take more power and more money and more opportunity from them and saddle them with more kids and less choice and less education, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm always searching for an answer to this question, and I know there probably really isn't one. But I love getting everybody's input on it. And it's, it's, what do you think it is? I mean, I know they 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 don't they just don't get it. They don't understand that a tax cut for the rich is not going to trickle anywhere on them, near them, by them. It's not trickling. There's no trickle.
0: No. Why don't they get that? It's because racism is how they broke organized labor. In this country, Heather McGee wrote an amazing book called The Sum of Us that talks about it and and racism hurts white people. And I'm not talking about bigotry. Uh, you know, a lot of folks think a lot of white people think if I don't hear the N-word, it's not real racism. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they broke the unions by saying, you want that black guy being paid the same amount as you? Is that really what you want? And that was always an effective way of dividing and conquering the American people. When hardworking, low income white people realize that they have more in common with hard-working, low-income Black people than they have in common with wealthy white people. When struggling white MAGA voters realize that, you will begin to see change in this country, and it's the greatest failure of the Democratic Party to not capitalize on this. But it again, consistently, the Democrats were the party of the working class, and their message resonated with the working class, and that's what got us out of the Depression, that was FDR, that was Truman, that was all the way until civil rights and in the 1960s was when the white people vote was cut in half. And some of certain Democrats down south who would oppose, again, they they like to say, oh, segregation was Democrats, slavery was Democrats, it was conservatives of both parties. And after the Civil Rights Act, those conservative Democrats, a couple of them changed and and became civil rights heroes. Most of them changed parties. And that's when you started to see the Democratic vote cut by a third, um, you know, and they went over the Republican. And then after Roe v. Wade... Jerry Falwell never mentioned abortion in a speech for, I believe, over four years. But by the time Reagan ran, they had realized the segregationists, and Falwell had been a segregationist. He'd opened segregationist schools. They realized they couldn't run on racism anymore, but they had a new issue, and they began convincing Christians that the thing that mattered most in the New Testament is something that the Bible never bans. And that's how they did it. It was civil rights lost some white people. And then abortion lost more white people. And it's been the great failure of the Democratic Party in my lifetime to not be able to connect with these hardworking white folks and say, look, these things, this hurts you, this hurts you. Trickle down never helped you. But we live in a culture where certain people don't care about the facts. They see you standing up for that transgender person in a pride parade. And I'm not gonna give you that party. And that's what keeps us
1: divided.
2: And if you asked any one of them if they'd ever met a trans person or were ever intimidated or threatened by them, no.
0: Or a Muslim or an an undocumented worker or a gay couple that wants to marry. Never. Mm -hmm. They don't like what they don't understand. I mean, look how popular, you know, gay people have become. And uh, I mean, marriage equality. uh, I'm still waiting for it to destroy traditional marriage. But it's like. You know, these struggles take a long time. And then suddenly the progress all seems to come overnight. But the Civil Rights Act didn't happen because of something Martin Luther King said to LBJ. It happened because of years of activists whose names will never be famous. Marriage equality happened because of years of activists and families who will never be famous. These These progress movements take such a long time. And then finally they happen. And it seems like it was overnight, but it's always a struggle.
2: I was talking to uh, a trans activist friend of mine. Her name is Alejandra Caraballo. And she was saying, like, as a trans person, that she knows that this is a very dark time, but that she knows that, you know, hope is a daily practice. And she knows that, like you just said, that this is a very dark time, but that, that we'll come through it. You know the activists, like you said, whose names people will never know, are doing the work right now, but also paying the price. You know, and um, and it's very sad to see the the, the right wing extremists kind of tapping into this thing and pushing it and promoting all this hate and division.
0: all they've got. All they've yeah. got. yeah. Listen, if Republicans had policies that would help non millionaires; they'd be talking about them nonstop. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, Bernie only talks about his policies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I like a politician who only talks about the policies they want to enact to help working people. Um, but they don't, which is why it's all about Joe Biden's going to take hamburgers and gas stoves and cancel the Muppets and cancel Dr. Se- Dr. Seuss and Mr. <laughs> Potato Head's gender and Hunter Biden's laptop and Uranium One and Swift Boating and Hillary's emails and Ground Zero Mosque. It, it, They have to be umbrage merchants all day long. They mm-hmm. have to keep your uncle racist and your aunt dead inside angry and watching Fox news. Mm-hmm. They had policies that would help our right wing loved ones, that's what they'd be talking about. They don't. All they have is anger and division.
2: Uh I couldn't say it any better than that. That's a perfect place to end that portion of the conversation because you're right, a hundred percent. Um so I'm gonna just pivot really fast to what I call the random question round of my it's <laughs> not scary. Um and, and there's no quiz it's not grading it's personal responses to totally random like I just Pull them off the internet. Find the ones I think will be funny. Okay, ready? Okay, for whatever comes to the top of your mind. Oh, oh so are you ready, John? was saying.
0: Okay. Yes. Ma'am. Yes. <laughs>
2: um, what's the silliest way you've ever been injured?
0: Um, <laughs> injured. That's a good one. Um, uh, I, I, I once was about to shoot some special for VH1 in Hollywood, and there was a car coming. It was in the driveway and waiting on me. And I was late, and I was running around, and my pinky toe smacked into the hearth of the fireplace, and I broke what we call the fuck out of my toe. (laughs) And then I had to go and stand on my foot for six hours doing some big VH1 countdown special in front of a live audience and hide it the entire time. Um, But I'm Catholic, so we romanticize burying our pain. It worked out okay.
2: (laughs) It's incredible. Um, I lived in New York for a while and I missed uh, like most roasted marshmallows over a campfire and I had a gas stove and I was like, oh, I can make a roasted marshmallow and I just put it on the fork and I put it over the fire and then I put the fork with the marshmallow in my mouth.
0: Ah, nice.
2: <laughs> and um, yeah, and heard the sizzle of my lips. That is the silliest way I've ever been injured and I'll never roast a marshmallow in any way, shape or form again. So, um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. yeah. Number two, what is um your strangest pet peeve if you have any pet peeves you must have pet peeves
0: i have a lot of them yeah my strangest pet peeve um my strangest one oh lord that's or,
2: that's... or let's or something that's like your biggest pet peeve even.
0: you mean like what's my most irrational fucking hatred is that what
2: <laughs> that works
0: yeah my most rational fucking hatred um uh i i would say uh um oh jesus there's so many you know <laughs> Privileged people with no concept of their own privilege—that—that's—that's mm. that's, that's a pretty good one. That—that's not a—that's not no, mean that's or a, no, no. Um, guys who wear ascots, there's that. <laughs> I have the death penalty for all groups except that. Um, and um, <laughs> you know, uh, and and my biggest pet peeve is a culture that has lots of boys, guys, dudes, homies, and bros and bras, but not a lot of men. Um, yeah. Oh, and, and and uh, lip sync. Uh, uh, you know.
2: <laughs> lip-syncing really okay okay Last man line.
0: Band, boy bands that are really man groups that's that's it if you if you lip-sync and you don't play <laughs> instruments and you don't write the songs you're not a goddamn band and you're not boys you're a man group stop it that's it <laughs> three tries i found it
2: thank you um okay number four um oh okay and this might be a tough one in 40 years what will people be nostalgic for
0: Ooh, in mm. 40 years um you know there's the obvious things like democracy, uh, <laughs> yeah. <the> sky um <laughs> um in 40 years I'm actually building a nationwide chain of uh, uh, of a uh, tattoo removal parlors called mm. Mom, what's that? Um, <laughs> I think we'll be nostalgic for you know bare lower backs um I, I don't know if you'd <laughs> asked me 40 years ago I never would have known that we'd be nostalgic for pubic hair. so I, I mean, it's wait it's, are it's, we? I didn't I, know I, that. You know we're not, but I'm I'm old enough to remember what it looked like on people from another generation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess in 40 years I'll I'll be I'll be most nostalgic for uh for for the time we used phones as phones. Yeah, yeah.
2: And not everything. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say less content, just less, like more stuff to connect in us. Cause like when we were kids, we had all this, like five TV shows, you know, we all knew every episode of every show that was ever on. Or there's, you know, we all had the same content, sh- same shared experiences. And i
0: yeah, we also used to, you know, like, like do things with each other outside of our jobs and churches. Like we all, there were bowling leagues and, and, you know, I mean, town centers and things people would do together, roller rinks. Yeah. You know, now we go to VR rinks and just all have helmets and I look at each other.
2: Yeah. And that's a whole nother conversation because I have a 13 year old son who plays, who's going through withdrawal right now because I took his PlayStation away because it was messing up his fucking head. And I was like, you know what? We have to have an intervention. And he went through the shakes this weekend. And I think he's coming out the other side. But that's a whole nother conversation for what it's doing to young yeah, but you generation.
0: The right it works. They can still have it. You just got to limit the time.
2: Yeah. We're doing a clean break for a little while,
0: though. So um, also being kept alive by a machine. I know how it is. <laughs>
2: right well um that does it for the conversation john where do you want to send people what are you working on sort of that Uh, sort of thing
0: thank you so much for having me we do a show every night on siriusxm progress um channel 127 that mixes politicians and celebrities and comedians and actors and rappers and filmmakers and rock stars and uh uh, our guests have ranged from Brian Wilson and Rakim and Willie Nelson to, to to Chris Christie and Bernie Sanders. Our show is available as a free podcast every day if you don't have Sirius XM. And uh, I do this tour with Stephanie Miller and Hal Sparks um, and Frangela called the Sexy Liberal Tour, which we've done for years. We've had everybody from Nancy Pelosi to lily tomlin join us on stage for gigs and our only show of the year will be in hollywood at the saban theater in beverly hills on saturday october 21st it's going to be a really funny show and it's going to be a pay-per-view it'll be a live stream you can see it if you go to sexyliberal.com. and our special guests so far joining us for the panel part after all the stand-up sets include rob reiner and glenn kirschner of msnbc (laughs) And Ron Perlman, who's going to do it for the first time ever. So that's uh, October 21st. If you want to see the biggest political, scathingly progressive comedy event of the year, it's at sexyliberal.com.
2: That's incredible. I want to check that out. If I cannot get out west, I will definitely be watching it uh, online. That's very cool. What a lineup. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, John Fugelsang, for joining me and giving me all this time. I know I took more time than I said it would I always do. I'm so bad with that time management shit. But um, that, that concludes this episode of the Are You Effing Kidding Me podcast. Um, we'll see you um, next Saturday. And, John, have an amazing week. Thank you again.
0: Thank you so much, and thank you for all you do.
2: Thank you for all you do.
0: Are you effing kidding me? a production of the Political Voices
1: Network. Please visit us at politicalvoicesnetwork.com